And we also played them in 20 or 1992 and lost. So we kind of had this weird rivalry going on with them in the FCS playoffs in the early 90s. And I believe we are scheduling it today because of you. Am I correct? Um, maybe. Are you not available anytime earlier than this? I, I think I suggested today. Ah, there you go. It's Lawrence's fault. God, I am, I am 0 for 2 on my recollection of my officially offering you two both a spot in the airbnb are you ready today to commit welcome back tribe from the north brave and bull to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals i am your host chris and it only took two episodes for tj hopkins to miss an episode but we still have brian marceau on the show today hey chris good to be here we also have two special guests. They're two of the FCS Fans Nation admins and hosts of the FCS Fans Nation podcast, the Screeching Eagle, Kyler Neal. How you doing, man? The Barking Duke, Lawrence Smith. Ah, we, we, we stole their intro from um, the young man Colin Cowherd, the thundering herd, most unbisoned bison fan you'll ever meet, Matthew Frazee, who unfortunately didn't make it on the podcast today. But we're excited to have you two on. Just a reminder to everybody out there that today's podcast is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. All right, how's, how's everyone doing today? We had some issues getting the podcast going, but we, we got it going. That's what's important. I just realized that my microphone was muted, so uh, you didn't hear me say hi. So, <laughs> so hello. Solid start. We, we got Lawrence on now. It, it, hopefully everybody here has listened to, at least of our listeners, and I hope you too as well, have you know tuned into our Big Sky preview that we did. Uh, with the Montana Mint. That was a very crowded podcast. We have another crowded podcast today um, with, instead of just covering 13 teams in one conference, we're covering all 130-something teams that are in the FCS, including the new Long Island Sharks, which is sweet. And on this beautiful day of August the 3rd, where the Idaho Vandal football team is actually reporting to fall camp. So great day to start a podcast all right, kicking it right off now into Around the Bar. We've got two of the brightest minds in the FCS with us today. We're going to start it off with Lawrence on the answer here of last year. I went back and I listened to a lot of podcasts, including your guys's, and everybody seemed to peg it as a two-horse race, that being James Madison and NDSU. Now, obviously, NDSU ended up going on to make the national championship. JMU had some issues come up, but we're still a very solid team making the playoffs. This year, does it feel like a two-horse race again? If so, what are the teams, or do you think there's a couple more teams in the running this year? No, I think this year the FCS is more wide open than it's been in four, five, six years. Um, it's going to be a really fun year. I don't think it's a, a two-horse race at all. Um, it could be a, a five, six, seven-team race, honestly. Yeah, um, I will just say, you know, last year I did not think it was going to be a two-horse race, buddy. Um I kind of said JMU would be out in the quarters and I was close, but I thought there was maybe like four teams that had a chance last year. Um, this year, like Lawrence said, I could see probably about six teams having a legitimate shot at competing for a title or at least getting to that national stage. Um, and there also might be, you know, a couple teams off my radar that, that could make a run. Um, this, this season looks like on paper, uh, this could be the most fun, fun year we've had in the FCS for a while. Yeah, because I kind of want to ask you this, Kyler. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Eastern Washington like eighth or ninth in a lot of the polls last year? And then they ended up making it to the championship game? Yeah, Hero Sports put them around four. Um, I put them around 
I think four to start the year, but most most sites had him around seven to eleven. I would say. Yeah, which means there's there's some teams out there that can definitely make a run at it. I guess you guys were saying it's going to be like a five or six team horse or horse race this year. Do you guys are you confident listing any of those teams? You just think people need to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously you don't need to nail it or all of them, but who are some of the teams people need to be keeping an eye out? I think the the big four that you've probably heard in you know Hero Sports, um, you're going to see them in the stats poll probably be four of the top five teams, if not the top four teams, uh, NDSU, JMU, Eastern, and UC Davis. I think that's a, a solid top four. Uh, also throw South Dakota State in there. And those are probably going to be the the five teams that we're really looking at. Yeah, and then I'll add, you know, there's a couple teams that have a lot of talent. We just need to, we just need to watch to see if they actually get it done on the field. Um, there's, there's some teams like Jacksonville State, probably one of the most talented rosters in the FCS, but they had played a little sloppy in terms of they get a lot of penalties um, and they just don't seem to. Yeah. They, they just play a little sloppy on the field, but their talent is there. So if they can figure out their on field um, play, I think they can make a run. Um, then there's also teams like Maine who showed last year, they can make a run Weber state who actually doesn't lose that much talent this year, including their, you know, freshman of the year running back, he comes back. So there's there's a lot of teams I think that can make a run, but I would say those top five definitely keep your eye out what Lawrence yeah, said. And then I guess Brian, do you have anybody you want to add on to that or you you think they've hit all all the major players this year? Yeah, as far as I understand, I think that uh the those four NDSU, James Madison, Eastern, and UC Davis, you know, to me, those ring as a pretty safe top four, uh, maybe not necessarily in that order, but some of the other teams, like let's say South Dakota state that, you know, last year, South Dakota state was, it seemed like arguably at worst, the third best team in the nation. Um, you know, South Dakota state loses a lot and it's too early to know exactly what they're replacing. And specifically I'm talking about their quarterback. Um, I, I don't know what the South Dakota state offense looks like this year. I don't expect it to be awful or anything, but this early, we just don't have evidence to say so. I don't think we have evidence to say South Dakota State um, should be handicapped as an as a early national championship team. Well, I agree with you on all those points. I think, like we said, we all kind of nailed the what what most people would consider to be the true contenders. Now, if some darlings come out of the woodwork, that's fine. But that brings us to the FCS Fans Nation Top Ten, which is for those of you that don't know. The two gentlemen on this podcast um, have a group of FCS fans from a multitude of schools that do a top 10 poll every week. The preseason poll was released, God, what was it, two weeks ago at this point? Three weeks by the time this airs. And I guess, you know, you guys are votes in it, but obviously just because you vote in it doesn't mean everything lines up the way that you actually uh, did vote yourself. So I'm curious. Let's start with Brian because I know you got to vote this year, and I'm kind of curious – from your outside perspective, first time getting to vote on it, is there anybody when it came out that you thought was too high? Um, and then I also want to know who you think was too low and just right. So too high, and I really wish uh, Frazee was on here for this, but too high, I believe North Dakota State. Uh, they're number one right now in the FCS preseason top ten. And they they have way too many question marks for me to, to say that I think they're the preseason number one team. 
Now we have a history of them reloading, so it's not like I think they'll be bad. I'm sure they'll be elite again, but this early, um, I wouldn't put them as number one, so I think they're a little bit too high. Um, too low, this isn't too much of a jump, but I think Eastern Washington, they did lose a lot of players to graduation, but if you followed their playoff run, what you should know is Eastern dealt with a lot of injuries last year, so a lot of guys who weren't, let's say, on paper starters played as though they were starters. So I don't feel Eastern lost quite as much. I mean, they lost a lot, but they also retained more experience than I think a lot of people understand. And just right, I'd say Maine. Uh, question mark for Maine is they did have a coaching change, uh, but they also keep a ton of their players from last season. You know, they looked outclassed by Eastern in the playoffs, but the week before they just killed Weber. You know, to me, that sounds like a top 10 team that shouldn't be top five. We have them at seven. I think that's right. All right, Lawrence, you're the man who does all the calculating of the votes. Is there anybody that surprised you that came in, You th in your opinion, too high, too low, and just right? I've caught a lot of heat for this opinion. Um, I'm not super huge, actually, on South Dakota State this year. Um, I think they're too high. They're sitting at five in our poll. Um, in my personal poll, I listed them at 10, which really, out of 126 FCS teams, if you start preseason top 10 like that's a compliment no matter how you slice it um that's really the only one that i think is like super off base compared to my own poll uh as far as anyone that's too low i don't think there is anyone really uh actually the the 10 teams that show up in our group's top 10 are the same 10 teams that i have in my personal poll and none of them other than south dakota state differ more than two spots from where i put them so I think it's a really solid top 10 uh, lines up pretty nicely with my own. Uh, I do think Wofford is right exactly where they need to be. That would be my just right choice. They're sitting at number nine. I do believe they're a top 10 team in the country, but they're kind of just outside of that tier of anyone that you would expect to actually compete for the national championship. I don't think they're a semifinal team. Um, I think they're a, a borderline quarterfinal team and, sort of that eight, nine range puts them right there. I, I guess I'm going to kind of agree with Brian and maybe it's because we're still kind of getting our feet wet, you know, in the FCS, but I know they're a dynasty, but North Dakota state losing a head coach, which I know they did before and they, they rallied and we're still a dynasty and they lost a quarterback, which I know they lost Carson Wentz and uh, that Jensen. And, you know, they've, they've come back and they keep winning um, they've only not been in the national championship, I believe, once since like 2010. So, you know, I, I get that it's hard to pick against them. But I just think with the loss of a quarterback and a head coach, I don't think Carson Wentz is just sitting there on the bench right now at North Dakota State. And if it, if he is, I don't think he's quite number one, going to be able to lead this team to number one yet. That's who I have too high. But like Brian said, I still expect them to probably win the Missouri Valley and probably be seated and still make a deep run. I just don't think they're number one. And I think they have a tough schedule this year. Um, then the teams I think are too low. I actually think Eastern and UC Davis. I know maybe that's the big sky in me. Um, and I probably would flop those two. I think UC Davis is actually probably the top team in the country, in my opinion. And I think Eastern is probably the two or three team. A lot goes into it. Like Brian said, they lost some players, but a lot of the players they lost due to injury and stuff, may have been starters, but the guys behind them got a lot of experience last year. Uh, and then the thing, team I think it's just right is Jacksonville State. I think maybe I would put them at five because they do have one of the top quarterbacks in the league. 
and they had the fan base and the support and the everything like that to be able to really make a push. Um, and it's not like they've it's their first time in the spotlight. They're a consistently good program. Um, so that's who I would say is just right. But uh, Kyler, you're known for your hot takes. I'm curious to hear where you have your two highs, two lows, and just rights. Uh, yeah, for sure. So first off, I got to say, I actually like this top 10 a lot. There's only one team on the top 10 that is not on my top 10. But I can see why the placement is there. And actually, for all of these teams, I can see why the placement's there. I can at least make arguments for all of it. I do agree with you guys, though. Uh, North Dakota State, in my opinion, shouldn't be number one. Um, They had only seven returner starters total um, on all sides of the ball, plus their whole coaching staff's gone. And like Chris was saying, you know, we don't believe they have that next Carson Wentz, which was probably the factor in 2014 that pushed them all the way to the championship game. Um, Plus, in 2014, they were returned a majority of their defense where this year it's kind of you know i would say it's a little butchered besides um jabril cox who's amazing so i would say they are a little too high another one i another one um that i think is too low and you guys can't really see him on our top 10 but they came in at number 15 nickels i actually put nickels at number 10 um on mine now i like towson at 10 too so i'm not gonna dog towson for being up there but I actually think Nichols should be up there a little bit. You know, they actually had the lead going into halftime before Eastern stole some momentum. And I believe Nichols returns like 18 starters, including their quarterback, Chase Forcade, who he was a beast last year. He's a dual threat. So I like them to be, you know, cusping near that top 10, if not in the top 10. And then, you know, for the ones I think is just right, I'm going to agree with Chris. I think Jacksonville State, they have the talent to be in that top five range, but their mistakes and penalties kind of um, push them down a little bit. So I think six is very solid for them due to the talent on their roster. Lawrence is the only person who didn't say North Dakota State was too high. Maybe give a defense on why you think that they deserve the number one. And you've got the Matthew Frazee impression. I... Just because I didn't choose them as my two high team doesn't mean that I think they're the number one team in the country. I actually voted for Eastern as my number one. Um, but NDSU was, like I said, you know, every team pretty much except for South Dakota State was within two of my own picks. So, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to hound on anyone for being two places off for me in the in the preseason poll. Well, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Lawrence, but didn't Matthew Frazee, yourself, and me all have the exact same top four in order? Eastern, yes, JMU, NDSU, and UC Davis? That would be correct. I also want to say that we have 49 voters in our poll this year, and uh, Chris Hammond is the only one that voted for UC Davis in the top spot. So I appreciate you uh, going out on a limb like that, sort of like I did with putting South Dakota State pretty low. I'm a Dan Hawkins believer, so I'll stand by that, and hopefully it doesn't burn me. But um, moving on to the next section, what team that made the playoffs last year do you think won't make it this year? And then, Lawrence, we're going to start with you again. My team is Stony Brook out of the CAA. They absolutely lost everything on the offensive side of the ball. They they had an absolute beast, two-headed running back monster. Uh, Gowans and Leotine last year they're gone their quarterback Joe Carbone is gone and all four of their top four receivers are gone so it sounds to me like the only thing they have returning is 
some of their offensive line. Like every skill position is changing. Um, I think that's going to be hard to overcome. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. Probably a, a 500 team. Brian, who do you think uh, is the most likely to not return to the playoffs this season? You know, I watched the Montana State Incarnate Word game, and that was first-round playoff game last year, and I came away thinking Incarnate Word looked like a mid-tier Big Sky team at best. I mean, I, I might be wrong because I might misunderstand, you know, their conference because, you know, like you know, I said, Chris, you and I are pretty new <laughs> to understanding the FCS as a whole. But I'm picking Incarnate Word because I came away from them playing a Montana State team that did not have a quarterback who could pass the ball. And I, I just thought that they didn't look like a strong team whatsoever. Um, I don't – they didn't have – you know, their, their record was pretty it, – it was above 500, obviously, they made the playoffs. But it's not like they were 10-2 and two or, you know, 9-2 and two coming into the game. They had, I believe, five losses. Um, I, I just didn't think they looked very strong – um, I don't expect them to be back. Kyler, who who do you think is not going to return to the playoffs? Um, so definitely two CAA teams will not, due to their performance last year on getting you know a historic six teams in and um, kind of getting butchered in that first round. Uh, I'm not going to say which teams. Probably Stony Brook, you know, like Lauren said. But I do agree with Brian a lot, and I'm actually going to say two other Southland teams won't make it, and that is Incarnate Word and also Lamar. And it's more due to the fact that I think. Nichols is a sure lock for the playoffs. I think Sam Houston will be back. And then I actually think the third team could be um, Abilene Christian. They return like 20 or 19 starters. And they actually, I think they defeated Nichols last year and played a lot of close games. So my guess is Incarnate Word, you know, they only got in because they won the auto bid because it was like a three-way tie. Um, And I don't think Incarnate Word and Lamar make it. Yeah, I think the easy pick is definitely with... The CAA getting six teams last year, obviously, I don't see them getting six again, especially with the kind of performance that they had. Um, I could see them getting five. What was that? What are you trying to say? Uh, what just, are you trying uh, to say? You know, you get six teams in, and uh, none of them make it very far. <laughs> you, you know, you had the best odds to make it the championship game, and nobody made it to the semis, if I recall correctly. Main, that's uh, main did correct. I, I apologize, but. I would say Elon, just because I think Kyler or uh, Lawrence's JMU snapped up their coach. I think that's going to hurt them. I don't think they get six bids this year. I could see them being one of the teams right there on the border. But to go out on a limb and be a little bit different and hot, I'm going to say Kennesaw State. Just because I think there's a chance that maybe Monmouth or Charleston Southern wins the Big South. And we don't really, we haven't seen Kennesaw reload yet. They had a lot of, you know, the initial class that's made this push over the last couple of years. So I could be completely wrong on this one and fall on my face. But until they prove that they can take all that recruiting that they did with all the momentum they did uh, built up and turn it into another successful season, I can see Kennesaw State maybe not winning the Big South. And I don't think the Big South would get to, you know, a at-large bid. Um, I think the conference champ might be the only one that gets it. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kennesaw. What team or teams that didn't make the playoffs last year do you think will make the playoffs this year? And Mr. Marceau, we'll, we'll start with So I'm going to go again with the, the area that I know the best, the Big Sky. And I think Montana is going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, they didn't last year. They kind of played themselves out of the playoffs the last week of the season. 
Um, they have a tougher schedule than they did the year before, but they return, you know, in our interview, Coach Houck said they return about 87% of their offensive production from last year. They do, they do have a rough schedule, but to their benefit, I believe, they split some of their toughest conference games, both at home and on the road. Um, so if they can pick up, you know, two wins, let me put it a different way. If Montana is still in the playoff discussion the last two weeks of the season, it means they have multiple quality wins on their resume. So I think, you know, with both the ability of Montana to draw, um, you know, crowds have and, you know, bring the monetary component and with the tradition and with the fact they'll have a strong resume if we're still talking about them by the end of the year, Montana's my pick to make it for the first time in this is like three, three years, four years. I think the drought ends. Kyler, you going to take the, the Grizz from Missoula or you got somebody else that you think could uh, be breaking into the playoffs this year for the first time in a while? So, yeah, so I'll take someone else, but I, I do agree with Brian um, completely. I mean, they were just literally two plays away from having two more wins last year. The Grizz, you know, they fumbled on the one-yard line versus Montana State. That win alone would have brought them to the playoffs. But then also Portland State made like a 52, 55-yard field goal to win the game. So they were literally just two plays away from, you know, being a playoff team and potentially a nine-win team last year. But I will take another team. And so many people on our page are just disregarding this team. And it's Sam Houston State. They've been a top four best team of the decade in the FCS. They had one year where they didn't make the playoffs, you know, and they were coming off a semifinals appearance the year prior. Um so it, it's weird how so many people are just dis- discrediting them. They've had one year where they didn't make the playoffs in like the last five, six years. I think Sam Houston is going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know for sure if they'll win the you know, Southland, but I think they'll be right at the top of the Southland with the Nichols. So yeah, Sam Houston State is my pick. I'm going to kind of, after bagging on the CAA real quick and the teams that I don't think make it, uh, the team that didn't make it that I actually think will, another team kind of like Kyler, you brought up, I think New Hampshire gets back in. They made like 14, 13 or 14 straight years of making the playoffs, and then last year they did not. I want to believe that was just a hiccup and a you know aberration, and I think that this year um, the CA will probably still get bids. It's still a top three conference. It could easily finish the best conference with JMU in it. I think New Hampshire makes solid strides this year and gets their ass back in the playoffs. Uh, Lawrence? Would who do you think is going to be making a return to the playoffs this season? I hate you guys. I had three teams written down here, and it and in order: Montana, Sam Houston State, and the University of New Hampshire. So I'm going to pull deep down into my brain and you know bring out my fourth option, which I didn't even write down because I figured out of my top three I would get one of them. Um, let's go with Indiana state out of the Missouri Valley. They were kind of right on the cusp last year, uh, kind of incredibly after having, you know, a terrible year, the year prior, uh, I'm going to say, I think they continue that momentum and, uh, get an at large bid. I like that. That's a good pick, especially on the fly. <laughs> it just goes, I guess we named three really good teams for you guys that have a real shot of making it this year. Um, and then a fourth, but yeah, Indiana state, they're getting a lot of love too in the polls. They're usually in that like 13 to 20 range in most of the polls. So they're definitely a solid pick there. Uh, the Missouri Valley is not easy, but it's kind of like the big sky. A lot of it comes into your scheduling. 
if you guys had to pick right now, and Lawrence, this way, so nobody can steal your picks, we'll lead off with you again. Who is your way too early? Injuries haven't happened and won't happen. Everybody's going to be 100% healthy. Who is your way too early championship game? So who are the two teams facing off in Frisco come um, January? I'm going to go like double homer on this one. Firstly, just because I want the game to happen, I think it would be an incredible game. Two of my favorite fan bases getting to meet each other finally. Uh, And secondly, I genuinely believe that looking at things right now in the preseason, these are the two best teams in the country. I'm going to take Eastern versus James Madison. Okay. And I will be very conflicted. (laughs) Yes, yes, you would. For those of you that don't know, uh, Lawrence is also a bit of an Eagles fan. Mostly thanks to Kyler, I believe. So, Kyler, I know you weren't next on the uh, list, but who would you like to see? Yeah, so you actually got to give credit to Kelsey for that one. You know, she brought Lawrence to the homecoming game, um, and she's, you know, I I lie and say I'm the biggest fan because if you Google, you know, Eastern Washington football biggest fan, I'm the first picture on there, but she's totally the biggest fan. So I'll give her some credit where it's due. Um, I'm going to sound really repetitive and say I think Lauren Smith is dead on. Um, Looking at Eastern's schedule, it's pretty hard to not see how they would not be a top four seed, um, maybe even a top two seed, depending on, you know, if they, if they do win all the games they're supposed to, which I'm sure they will be favored in 11 of their 12 games. Um, and on paper, James Madison just returns too much talent. You know, if they fix their quarterback issues, and by fixing it, I just mean be a little more consistent, they're 100% going to be a, a national title type team. And yeah, I think it's going to be James Madison and Eastern Washington as well. All right, Brian, who who you have for your pick for national champion? You know, I'm going to stick with our theme of all of us without coordinating, picking the same teams. And uh, I'm going to say Eastern and James Madison, you know, for, for the Eastern end. I, I think it's, it'll be really interesting to see how quarterback Eric Berrier progresses this year. Last season, six of his 10 starts came against playoff teams. He won't. He, he certainly will not play six playoff teams through his first 10 games in his second year. And the reason I say that is typically it's pretty easy for fans when they see a new young player to expect a linear growth after the first year, but then it doesn't happen. Not because the player is bad. It's just because linear growth is not always a reasonable expectation. I think we should expect some growth with Barry because he has a way easier schedule and Eastern should have a good amount of momentum moving into the playoffs in addition to they sh- they on paper look like a team with a bye. Um, also, James Madison, uh, you know, they're one of the stronger programs. North Dakota State has too many question marks for me uh, to pencil them in. South Dakota State's the same thing, too many question marks. Um, also, James Madison, Lawrence, please correct me if I'm wrong. I, didn't James Madison during the playoffs have a very, uh, let's say, uncomfortable situation with their coach um, where they knew he was leaving, but it it seemed like it was a bigger issue in James Madison, the news about their coach versus in North Dakota state, which is the only reason I bring that up is James Madison. I think they used, I think minus a little bit of end of the year dysfunction last year could have made it at least one round further. That's why I'm going with Eastern James Madison. Um, well, I will be the different one here uh, for how much I do really like Eastern to make the championship game. And my, if I believe the seeding, and I know you guys have talked about this, and Hero Sports has talked about this, if there's not any collusion, they're going to put the 
top teams seated where the top teams are, and they're not going to try to, you know, bend the bracket to make it fit a potential championship game. Uh, with Eastern and UC Davis not meeting in the regular season, I would love to see that matchup in the championship game. However, I don't think it will happen because I don't think, even though I think UC Davis and Eastern are the best two teams in the country, I don't think they'll give Eastern and UC Davis both one and two seeds. I think at some point they're going to have to meet each other probably in the semifinals. To be different, I do think UC Davis is the top team in the country. So I'll take UC Davis. And with that, I do think that James Madison makes it. And I would actually have them playing JSU. So I guess to just get different teams in there, I'll say UC Davis versus JSU to give a different opinion on the game. But my hope would be UC Davis, Eastern. I think they're the best two teams. And I think whichever of those two teams, actually, if they play each other, would probably play JMU. But I'll predict a little JSU, UC Davis. Why not? Um, now, for us Vandal fans, especially if you're you know, under the age of 40, you probably haven't experienced the FCS playoffs since um, you know, Idaho hasn't really had a good chance since the early 90s. We've had three bowl games. And they've gone down in infamy. There's stuff all over the corner club. It's it's this grand thing we like to show. We've got three banners hanging in the Kibbe Dome. But I had the ability to go to Frisco last year, and it was a lot of fun. But it, I feel like it means less for me because it just sounds like another vandal who's trying to pitch you on the Believe in the FCS train. So with that, I kind of want to bring in Kyler and Lawrence to kind of explain to Vandal fans why the FCS playoffs are so great and why they're better than just going down to Boise and playing in a, you know, 20-degree snow-filled blue turf bowl game for a bunch of potatoes. Lawrence, let's get the East Coast perspective on why the FCS playoffs are better than a bowl game. Well, first of all, who wants to spend any time longer than they have to in Boise? Second. Not not to shout out all our listeners that are majority from Boise. But. <laughs> I've got a couple reasons written down here um, that I think make the the FCS playoffs special. Um, my first point is that they're, except for the championship game, they're played at campus sites. I just think there's something special about playing in your own stadium in front of your own fans. Second on my list is you get one bowl game. You know, unless you make the the college football playoff, which, you know, you're not going to do. Idaho is never. (laughs) Uh, FBS playoffs. So you get one bowl game. Or if you get an at-large bid, make it all the way to Frisco in the FCS playoffs, you get five playoff games. So it's more football. Who doesn't love more football? And finally, there's a real championship at the end. Like, bowls bowls are fine. Um but you know you you see oh we're the famous Idaho Potato Bowl champions like well is it really a championship you go to Frisco and win and you have won the highest sanctioned NCAA football championship in the in the nation and the the college football playoff is is whatever but it it's not according to the NCAA it's not officially a national championship the the FCS playoffs is so you know you get a little bit of bragging rights there I think you put that really well that you actually get to you, you get to figure out if you are the best team. Even though we were underdogs in all three of our bowl games, um, you know, we didn't prove anything other than maybe we should have been going to a better bowl or 
not have been taken lightly where the playoffs, you can kind of see how far he go. Um, Kyler, what are your opinions? Um, you know, you're a West coast guy. You've grown up in the pack in pack 12 land, mountain West land. Um, and obviously going to Eastern. Why, why are the playoffs great as an Eastern fan? Um, so Idaho fans have something to look forward to. So why are they good for an Easter fan? Cause we're good at them. Um, no. So, so let me just, let me just kind of break down the positives and negatives of both. Okay. For one bowl games, let's be honest. They make more money than the FCS playoffs. I will admit that there's also more viewership for the bowl games versus the FBS players um, or FBS championship. My bad. I think only one bowl game had less viewers than our national championship game. So those are two alarming facts, but that's just the power of the FBS over the FCS. And I'm, you know, always honest about that. Um, but what actually does make the FCS playoffs better? For one, we don't have 60 teams going to participate in this fairy tale postseason land. Um, it's awesome. Idaho was able to go to bowl games, but you guys still weren't even playing for a top 25 spot. You guys were still playing for what, maybe a top 40. So as awesome as it was, you guys, you know, got some bowl wins. You got a lot of money. You got some TV viewerships and got some exposure. What what were you guys playing for? I'm still not sure. I think there's just too many bowl games. I love the big ones. Um, I honestly don't watch anything that doesn't have really a top 25 or a local team in it. Um, for the playoffs, like Lawrence said, you're actually playing for something. They pick, you know, there's pretty much the top 24 teams besides there's some conference auto bids that maybe are not in the top 25. Um, but you actually get the best teams across the nation duking it out for that number one spot. And who is the national championship? You just don't get that in the bowl games. You're, you're playing, you know, maybe a top 40 versus a top 50 team. And you guys, the winner will finish top 40. I don't know. It's, it's just, there's too many. I think it's, it's too diluted with bowl games. Um, and in the FCS playoffs, you're actually playing to see who is the best team in the FCS, which is exciting. You know, it's something we got to get used to. I think it will help once we make the playoffs. But until then, hopefully hopefully this is the year. Uh, we'll cover that more in the podcast coming out um, on the 22nd. But in our Idaho. Actually, Chris, yeah. um, do you care if I jump in? Because I grew up as a Montana fan. Uh, both my parents graduated from University of Montana, so the FCS playoffs are not new to me. In fact, they were they were something we expected to go and watch. When Since I was you outed up. yourself as um, a Montana and, and an Eastern fan to the fan base, now I will let you speak on that. <laughs> Thank you. It's what I grew up with, man. Uh, both of my parents went to Montana for undergrad and Eastern for graduate school, so I get to pick whoever's better out of those two. That's why I like that year, but. Um, Cool thing about the FCS, FCS playoffs is different than the FBS Bulls. Um, when Idaho made our bowl games and we did win our three bowl games, I feel that we still didn't actually know how good those teams were because when you are in a situation like Idaho is, your bowl game, except we when we played uh, Ball State, we are often going against a team who them playing in a Boise Bowl game may be a disappointment for them. For example, Colorado State, who they got, we walked on them for most of that game. I think Colorado State thought of making the famous Potato Bowl as a disappointment. And when you do have that potential asymmetric dynamic between for one team it's a victory and one team it means your season didn't go as well as you thought, you don't know exactly what level 
of effort or focus you're going to get from both teams. Whereas in the FCS playoffs, I think you do. Uh, and second, if you are curious about how good your team truly is, if you make the playoffs, you if you're good, you know you'll play multiple games and you'll get to prove you're a top eight team by making it all the way to you know the quarterfinals. Or if you're truly a top four team, you should make it to the semis. That dynamic for a team like Idaho doesn't exist because we don't have the the FBS didn't have the meritocracy in place for group of five schools. FCS, however, does. If you are good, you will play other good teams and you should look good against those teams and look at Eastern last year. You know, Eastern didn't have a particularly rough regular season, so I think it was fair last year with Eastern going into the playoffs to be curious about how good they truly were. Uh, but then they had, they won a lot of good games, including just killing Maine. Uh, so Eastern got to prove, yes, we truly are better than our schedule was able to show. That's a benefit of the playoffs that a bowl game doesn't yeah. have. And like I said, I guess I will be the – I'm pro bowl. I, I love bowl games. But that being said, I also, which I hope most Vandal fans will be able to come around to, I am excited for us to have the ability to play in playoffs. Now, do I wish we could still – traveled to some bowl games like i thought we should have been in the tucson bowl 2016 um it's not our fault we always end up in boise but it sells tickets i love bowl games they were fun i'm glad i have those memories i would not take back any of them against southern miss bowling green or colorado state but i i am also excited for the playoffs because like brian hit on and um lawrence hit on you know you're actually in kyler you know you're playing for something. It's it's not just one game. You're not getting one team that cares more, one team that cares less, um, which you hope never happens in any kind of football game, but it does in bowls. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited for us to get to try the playoffs. Um, now, with that, we need to put some work out on the field. So we'll move past that and kind of go, how far off is Idaho from the playoffs? I want really quick from Lawrence and Kyler, and why not just do all four of us, one through what, 126, where is Idaho? If you were the Massey ranking, so you know where you ranked every single team in the FCS, where does Idaho actually rank right now going into the season? There are a lot of really good teams in the FCS. There are a lot of really bad teams in the FCS. And I don't think Idaho falls in either category. So I'm going to put them kind of in like my 60 to 75 range right now. Kyler, where do you have the Idaho Vandals? I think this time last year I said, you know, they should be hovering right around 25, and I was a little wrong, but I do think it was just more, you know, half the team wasn't even biting into the FCS yet. You know, I, I did a hot a hot take on one of our last previews, and it seems like the players are actually buying in to being an FCS team this year. Um, they're not overly confident. They have something to prove. And I think they will be better depending on the quarterback situation. Um, I want to see how that plays out. I would actually say Idaho is probably, I'm going to give them a little more benefit of the doubt than Lawrence and say they're probably hovering around 40 um, with the potential to be lower and higher. It just depends on that quarterback play. Um, but I think they have a little bit easier of a season this year, which is you know going to benefit Idaho. Um, besides, you know, the two FBS games I believe you guys play, that's not going to be easy. So, yeah, I would say Idaho right around 40 to maybe 50 um, with, I don't know, some potential to go up or down. We can't even avoid a quarterback conversation even on an FCS preview podcast. Brian, you know, without giving away too much, because we do have the Idaho preview coming out on uh, August 22nd, who do you, 
where would you rank Idaho right now going into the season? I'd say we're around 55 to 60. The reason I say that is last year, Idaho, we had some embarrassing losses in terms of the final score, but we did not have a single bad FCS loss. The worst teams we lost to were Montana and Idaho State. Both those teams played themselves out of the playoffs the final week of the season. When we played when we played the lower tier teams in the big sky, like Lawrence reference, you know, there is a pretty big gap between the top and bottom of the FCS. Idaho had no difficulty whatsoever with Southern Utah and Portland State. We out I thought we out we essentially outclassed them both, which to me put us in that spot of we're not a top team, but we sure as hell are not a bottom team. So I think fifty five sixty, I expect the defense to be better because we do have a lot of defensive turnover, but uh, Kyler did hit a real question of whether our, our offense is going to be a limitation for us. I just want to say, too, that the difference between team like 40-45 and team 75 is not that huge at the FCS. Like, There's a lot of parity right in the middle of our division. So you can you can start as a, you know, a, a 75, 75th ranked team at the start of the season and, you know, be a, a fringe top 25 at the end just because uh you know the the difference between the teams that fall in that sort of range it's it's not a huge huge difference yeah. totally agree and with I, that. I probably put ourselves around the 50 mark um i think we're in the top echelon so we're not quite to the 60s but you know the upper half not the top echelon but kind of like brian touched on i do think when we played the bad teams you know we made it look easy we didn't struggle with any of them um you know heck montana lost to portland state last year so the fact that we were able to beat some of the bad teams pretty comfortably. And then like you've mentioned in our big sky podcast, we had no bad losses last year. We lost to all playoff teams or teams that literally worked their way out of the playoffs in the last two, like two or three weeks of the season in Idaho state and Montana. So I don't, I think we're close. I wish we were closer. I thought we would be closer. Um, but yeah, I'd put us at 50 and kind of like Lawrence brought on. That doesn't mean we can't, and maybe as like a 25 or maybe even higher or the vice versa. Maybe we go further down the rabbit hole and start to stink even more. Um, but that's what this season is about is figuring out kind of now that we have some guys buying in, what's this actually going to look like for the university of Idaho. And it's only going to get better as we get more FCS recruited guys in and not the FBS guys that probably viewed the drop as a, uh, I get two years off unless they're trying to make the pros like Caden Ellis. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack. An ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky country. The best part is, when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snack donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of the profits are donated to local Idaho causes, supporting organizations like CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yee-haw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Corner Stool Takes. Uh, I know you guys are listeners, so I don't have to give you guys too much information here. But this is where you give a hot take and Kyler as the king of hot takes on your own podcast, the FCS fans nation podcast figured no better way than to have you start with your corner stool. Take. And my corner stool take is going to bring me into deep homerism. Eric Berrier, the third, 
he is going to win the Walter Payton Award. He last year, you know, came in after week five due to All-American injury, Gage Gubrud. Um, He was out the rest of the year. Eric Berrier was the only other quarterback not on an Eastern roster to average three total touchdowns a game last year. Um, you know, even Jake Mayer-Meyer, I believe that's how the Montana Mint guys say, um, you know, he was only averaging 2.6 touchdowns a game. So we got a young quarterback coming back. He is now experienced, and he has four O-linemen returning who were not, well, two of them were not in the playoffs due to injuries. So I am excited. Um, Eric Berrier, Walter Payton Award, bringing Eastern Washington its fourth in about 10 to 15 years. I have a Vandal-centric corner school stool take, and it has not that much to do with the on the field. It is that I believe in year two of the Vandals being FCS, what we're going to see is the fans of Idaho are, they're not going to let go yet of the wanting to be in the FBS um, hope. But what's going to happen is fans are going to see, and they're going to like that they can travel to games. You know, Idaho sold out a lot of our ticket allotment on away games last season. And where the evolution is that a lot of Idaho fans are going to say, okay, we still want to be FBS, but what we need is a new conference with like Montana, Montana state, Idaho state, Eastern, and you know, some, some of the other better big sky schools and maybe try to reach into the Midwest. That's the view that Vandal fans are going to start to take that I believe is a positive step and will be the first step in acknowledging that we are at least playing with in conference teams that we should have been playing with for a long time. Uh, Lawrence, what do you got? My corner stool take is that uh, the criticisms of JMU's quarterback are vastly overblown. We're getting a lot of, oh, JMU has to sort out their quarterback situation. He was turnover prone last year. Uh, you know, he couldn't go more than ten seconds without throwing an interception. And uh, one of JMU's writers, uh, one of the writers in the JMU community, rather, uh, posted a really good article this week about this sort of the same topic. And the the big stats that he showed was that across all of the games we played last year, quarterback only threw uh, multiple interceptions in two games, just happened to be that our very last game of the season against Colgate is when he threw five interceptions. So that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. His turnover problem was not nearly as, as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. And some good game management this year uh, is really going to shine through and it's going to be what gets JMU to Frisco. I like the JMU take because a lot of this podcast is about trying to get it. The Vandal Nation, uh, a little bit more educated on the SCS as a whole. Um, and with that, I actually am going to take a cornerstool take, and maybe it's a little cool like my last one. I think the Southland might get three bids to the playoffs this year, which might actually be more than the Missouri Valley Conference. Or tied. I think that the Southland might get three, and the Missouri Valley might also get three. Um, and I, I just think it's a year that they look like maybe, um, some teams are may turning the corner. And so I, I'm going to go with that. 
So your take is reflecting of last year? Three Missouri Valley, three Southland? That, that, that is true, isn't it? That's a terrible take. Why did I feel like there's four Missouri? There wasn't. There's just God. I am. I am. Oh, for two on my recollection of last season. Um, yeah, this is what have us on, this is, you know, so we can exactly. This troll is why you a I did bit. not do an FCS preview with just Brian and I. <laughs> um, well, gosh, now I got to come up with something uh, different real quick. I will go with um, Dan Hawkins will be coaching his last year in the FCS. How's that? Hashtag AskTATC. We're going to start with one from this guy named Lawrence Smith at DLSmith93. You, I'm assuming that means me. Do you Do you want me to read it since, since yeah, I'm here? Yeah, 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 read it in your best voice. All righty. You had pretty high expectations last year before the season. How has your perception of the SCS changed, and what are your 2019 expectations? Now, I hope you know that we'll be covering the second half of your question on our next episode of during the Idaho Preview Podcast. But I figured we could talk about our perceptions on the FCS and how it's changed. I know for me personally, I just realized that it's a lot more competitive than people give it credit for, especially when you're kind of looking down on it from the FBS level where you like to think that every single FCS game is going to be this cakewalk win. Um, and you, you quickly learn that, you know, the fear of the FCS thing is real. And there are some serious teams in the FCS, and a lot of which the top half could beat most of the champion. I I think North Dakota State could probably beat the champion of the Sun Belt, probably the MAC. you know, really go toe-to-toe, if not win, against the Mountain West. So I think the top of the FCS is – would be top group of five teams and heck beat some lower tier power five teams. So mm-hmm. I think that was the one thing that surprised me the most was realizing um, just how competitive the FCS actually is at the top half. That being said, the bottom half is really concerning, but I'll, I'll, I'll lead with that. And then Brian, what, how do your, perception of the FCS change, even though you've been an FCS fan as a Montana and Eastern fan. What I got to see was in person, a little bit of what I was expecting to see last year, which is what you hit on a second ago, Chris, the talent gap between the top schools in the FCS and let's say the non power five schools in the FBS, that talent gap is essentially non-existent. Now it's easy to miss that because a lot for Idaho, like a lot of the time, in our last few years, when we played FCS schools, we weren't playing top tier teams. Uh, when we played Eastern, the year Eastern won the championship, Eastern killed us. Uh, but other than that, we, we played some FCS teams that weren't that great and we rolled them, which is actually what we saw this last year is when we played not great big sky teams, we still rolled them anyway. But as a conference or as a whole, you know, the schools like Eastern Washington schools like North Dakota State, South Dakota State, UC Davis, even though they're in a different, you know, classification than FBS, those are that's there's a lot of FBS talent that chooses to go to schools where they can compete for a playoff, or they choose to go to schools where they can be the marquee team in the conference instead of going to an FBS school where they're one of the lower teams in the conference. And that just to me again, it says the talent gap does not exist between the top of the FCS and some of the you know lower to mid tier FBS. 
I, I would agree with that. And I guess uh, from your guys' perspective, is there anything we missed that you think we should be paying attention to for the FCS um, and its landscape? Or do you think we're pretty well got our uh, teeth kicked in in the right directions? I think you guys got humbled, and that's going to only help Idaho. Based off of just Big Sad Media Day from last year, it seemed like um, Idaho players were kind of taking the FCS as a joke. You know, it, it seemed like it was going to be a very easy season, and I don't think they were fully bought in. You know, these players were recruited to be an FCS, you know, team and, and competing um, versus, you know, FBS teams. But, but yeah, now since they have seen that the top-tier talent in the FCS is better than probably, you know, a lot of the smaller-tier FBS games that you guys played, um, I think they're more excited and they're more bought in and they are ready to try and hunt for some national titles. So I don't think you guys change anything. I just think your players have finally bought in and it's going to help out. Well, let's move on to the next one then. Um, and I'm excited for this one. So Shannon has asked us a couple different hashtag ask TTCs, but I don't think we've ever actually picked one of hers. I could be wrong, but we have uh, Shannon Kelly at Kelly Bandle. Some of you might recognize her from the band special we did last year. Um, God, I'm probably going to murder this, but I believe she's like the band historian. She's putting together the Centennial book and all this band history. So she's very band um, genius. I don't know. Acknowledgeable. And I guess one thing that I think the FCS should learn about Idaho, and I see this a lot, is we take a lot of pride in our band, more so than a lot of schools do. Um, I've noticed that you guys get a lot of band pulls, and we never get a lot of credit for that. Um, but this is also something for Idaho to reach out and realize there are really good bands in the FCS, arguably other than, you know, like Ohio state, probably some of the best bands in the country. Um, so to kind of tweak her question of compare bands at different away games, um, we all know that the Vandals favorite band is the sound of Idaho, but what about the others? Are there any that stand out good or bad? I know she was asking this question as in, when we were at games, and this was meant when the Mont- we had the Montana Mint people on, see kind of big sky bands, but I wanted to take it more national. That's why I held off on it. And I wanted your guys' opinions on who are the best bands in the FCS that someone like Shannon could look at to get ideas from or watch their videos and appreciate. Um, so what, like, who are Idaho's biggest competitors as far as best bands? And Lawrence, I want to hear from you first. Because I know you guys have a good... I wouldn't even consider Idaho and JMU to be competitors because JMU's band is one of the best in the country, including Ohio State. Um, The other one that jumps out to me is Jacksonville State. They're very similar style to JMU. Both bands are over 500 members strong. Uh, You know, we just take band differently in the South. It's, you know, it's a big thing. Um, but then you also have to think about the, the HBCU schools, um, like Grambling, um, like that's, that's even a whole nother level, like literal battle of the bands. Um, it band in the South is, is a big thing. Um, and from what I have seen, it, it doesn't even compare to, to what you guys are dealing with up in the Northwest. I would challenge you. We need to get you out to a game. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. We have actually quite a few accolades, and Shannon would be better on that. I don't know all the ins and outs. We should have Martin on. But, Kyler, I feel like Lawrence hit all the south, east coast. But anybody else you think he missed? Or, I guess, out here in the west coast, who are some of the bands 
that you know are pretty good or popular. Well, Eastern has a pretty good DJ that plays during our games a lot of times, and it is amazing. Um, I'm not a big band guy. You know, like Lawrence was saying, it's definitely a Southern thing. You know, maybe Idaho is one of the best on the West Coast. Um, But everyone down South here now, since I live in Houston, band is like almost as big as the football game itself, which is insane to me because I don't care about it as much. I'm sorry, Kelly. I'm sure, or Shannon, Kelly, I'm sure, you know, you guys are really awesome. Um, but I would say, yeah, the swack. I'm pretty sure Drumline was inspired by the SWAC. Um, <laughs> and and they just take their band super seriously. I know JMU has a lot of um, awards and same with JSU. But, like, just as a whole, the whole SWAC is probably the best conference in the country when it is, you know comes to band. At least that's from what I've seen, in my opinion. Um, but, hey, just put a couple cannons, a couple DJs. And that's all you need. I just want football and beer. All right. There, there you have it. Shannon, I think this is a point that if we get these guys to a game, you're going to have to show them. You, when we were in the FBS, people would sit on their hands during the game because we were getting blown out. But they would stand up and wait for halftime for the band. So it, I don't know how to describe it at Idaho, but it, it is popular. <laughs> I would I would like to clarify that I uh... – was not trying to diminish the quality of the band, uh, just more the perception that band is kind of a, a different beast in in the South. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause I was, I you know, my brother goes to, went to Oregon. Um, growing up in Boise, Boise State, Oregon, they don't really have great bands. Wazoo kind of thinks they do. So I kind of get what you're saying. Like out west. It's not as big. You know, you think of USC, maybe UW, but yeah, it's not as nearly as big as in the South. Everybody cares about their band. And when you have to, like, really think about about it out West, um, I think it goes to show the difference of culture in the South as far as band goes. We got one more, or we got two more questions for you guys. The next one we're going to do is from... Taylor Cash at Idaho Grown T Cash. Which team would you like to play out of conference in the future from the FCS? And that is also going to be outside of the Missouri Valley. This was also based on the Big Sky with the Missouri Valley Big Sky Challenge. Um, which venue would you say is the best to go to on the road and see? So I want you guys to know who would you like JMU and Eastern to play out of conference? And then in the second question, who, what venue is the one that, like, in the FCS you got to go see? Like, the Swamp or, you know, the Grove and all those, uh, Tuscaloosa in the in the FBS. Who are the FCS go-to schools for away games? Lawrence, let's start with you again. Well, as, as far as uh, you, you asked uh, for JMU and Eastern, who would we like to play out of conference? The, the answer is each other. Uh, I, I think Kyler would probably not be uh, offended by that. And for the second half of the question, the the venues that you need to go see, um, I think my big three are going to be uh, Washington Grizzly Stadium in Missoula, the Fargo Dome uh, for North Dakota State, and I'm going to throw my favorite stadium in the world out there, Bridge Force Stadium at JMU. Kyler, you're going to say it. stand by your number one out-of-conference schedule is JMU, and you think – those are the three best uh, must-go-see stadiums in the FCS? Um, I will say definitely it would be exciting to play James Madison. Eastern's been pretty lucky in their out-of-conference scheduling to where we've actually played a lot of the top teams in the FCS this decade. 
and like we have Jacksonville State on our schedule this year. We're doing a home and away with them. We've done it with Sam Houston State. We've done it with North Dakota State. We played, you know, South Dakota State. So we've played a lot of the top tier teams in the FCS besides James Madison. We don't have a James Madison scalp on our trophy case yet, and I would like to get one. Uh, but their fans are actually awesome. So, you know, if they ended up beating, I, I won't be too upset after a couple hours. But yeah, James Madison, they're, they're one of the pinnacle teams of the decade right now. I would love for Eastern Washington to schedule them before they move to the FBS. And then as for stadiums, I think he hit three great ones. Um, I'm going to try and go to the Jacksonville State game. I heard, you know, that's a pretty awesome stadium. Um, but I think the best stadium at the FCS level is one that you guys didn't mention yet, and it's Alabama State. I mean, it seats more than Montana by like a thousand or so. Um, it's in, are they in the SWAC or the MEAC, Lawrence? I think SWAC. Um, so they already have amazing tailgates. They have amazing game time atmospheres. And the thing is, a stadium was built in 2016, so it's new. It's not like Montana where as awesome as it is in the scenery and the fans, you know, the stadium is slightly outdated in some aspects. Alabama State's looks brand new. Um, so I would say if you guys are ever in the South and want to attend an HBCU game um, and go to a really nice stadium, that that's definitely a stadium that I would love to go to. Any HBCU game, too, is going to have an incredible atmosphere. Yeah, they they average. I don't know if you guys are aware, but like um, during the big Texas State Fair in Dallas, I think it was like Grambling and... I'm going to get the other team wrong, but maybe Alcorn State or something. And they fit like 55, 60,000 people in the game, and they do it annually. But there's multiple other games like the Bayou Classic. Um, they just have tons of fans that show up and are very supportive in the game time atmosphere is what I've heard is the best in the country for the FCS level. So go to one of those uh, games. Brian, who would you like to see the Idaho schedule out of conference? And then what stadium do you really want to go see away? So out of conference, and I'm going to just steal the answer we just got. I want to see Idaho play uh, some of the HBCUs. You know, we don't have a lot of Western FCS teams that aren't in the big sky to play in the first place. Um, but I, I think it'd be, you know, I'm looking at the – Alabama State Stadium, and yeah, it's a gorgeous place. Um, also, you know, the HBCUs, I, I like one of the things in the FCS that I do think we're, you know, as Idaho fans, we're having to kind of adjust to is there's a huge gulf in enthusiasm from traditional programs to, let's say, teams like Portland State that play at a high school. And I want to see Idaho playing as many of the traditional teams that, that draw a lot of people that will help Idaho fans buy into the FCS while we're here as something worth really committing to. So yeah, I'm going to say Alabama state's non-conference. I want to, I want to see us play. See, I, I will go instead of obviously being Boise state and Washington state, somebody a little different. Um, I'd like to see a schedule McNeese. The last two years we made the playoffs in 94 and 95 both years we lost to McNeese in McNeese. So, and we also played them in twenty or nineteen ninety two and lost. So we kind of had this weird rivalry going on with them in the FCS playoffs in the early nineties. I'd like to see that kind of come back into focus, and I think that would get a lot of the older people back on the FCS wagon. If we played kind of a school, they're like, oh yeah, these guys are still there, and they were a real thorn in our side. So I'd like to see us schedule McNeese. Plus, they're from one of the bigger conferences. They have a great fan base. I think it would be a great game to schedule. 
um, either here or um, down in Louisiana. Um, away games, though, I want to I want to go to like Harvard. I want to see like the old Ivy League schools, like Yale and stuff. So I think that would be kind of cool just for the history fact of it. So I would throw in some of you know the oldest schools in the country um, for games I would like to go see. Uh, then we got one last question. This one's just going to be for Lawrence and Kyler. Um, it's from your guys' good friend, Adam Willie on Twitter. He DM'd me here. <laughs> he wants to know, why would you want him to be the head coach of your football team? Let's start with Kyler. Lawrence has had a lot of I good wouldn't. starts. I would say, Adam Willie, with all due respect, I would not hire you for a penny. <laughs> I don't think you have the experience to win any games. And at the FCS level in Eastern, I mean, if you're not at least an eight-win team a year, nine-win, you're going to get fired in a couple years. So I just want to save you from getting fired, Adam. Um, definitely start with Pee Wee. Get your way up there. Win some junior high, then high school. Maybe get an, you know, a college type um, wide receivers coach or something. I don't know what you want to do, but yeah, I'm not hiring you for my head coach right now. <laughs> get some experience, bud. <laughs> Lawrence, why do, I, why do I feel like your answer is going to be rather similar? Adam Willie's enthusiasm for football is contagious. Um, That's a very good quality to have in head coach. So that would be the the reason that I would hire him. Brian, why should he coach Idaho? He might pick a different quarterback to start. <laughs> I was going to say he doesn't have any kid quarterback. Oh, that was great. All right, Adam, you, you can coach right, Idaho. There you go. That's fine. I, I'd, I'd love for you to coach Eastern. We might start getting back at him. Never Montana. <laughs> or go coach Boise State. That's what you should do. All right, so on to scratch that. We're not calling it TJ's Wonderful World of Wings or whatever if TJ's not even on the flipping podcast. So we're just going to call it, I don't know, ordering wings. <laughs> Anyways, I want to know, Kyler, where are the best? Lawrence, you might actually have an answer on this. You spent some time in Cheney. Where are the best wings in that tiny little farm town of Cheney, Washington? So um, we are more of a Rosa's Pizza and Zips kind of guy in Cheney. Um, you know, back when I went to college, I don't think there was many places that served wings besides Safeway and the Eagles Pub. But from what I've seen, pictures – you know, the Barrel House's wings look good. Um, and I would say, since we're so close to Spokane, we adopt Spokane's restaurants. And Flaming Joe's has a, some amazing wings. Um, you know, Flaming Joe's, I would say. But yeah, we, we do Zips and Roses in Cheney, man. Lawrence, did you have any wings while you were in Cheney, or were you going to stick with Kyler's uh, I'll defer to Kyler on, on the Cheney front. So Kelsey did not make you wings. All right. Good to know. Uh, we don't have a Fargo answer because Matt did not join us. Unfortunately, we'll have to schedule North Dakota State out of conference to be able to get that answer. In Harrisonburg, though, where are the best wings, Lawrence? Some people might fight me on whether or not these are actually wings. Um, more like boneless chicken bites. Um, so chicken nuggets? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Um the one of the bars um in Harrisonburg is called Billy Jack's. Um they do what they call sticky nugs. Um and you know it it it's a it's a boneless wing that's got, you know, 
all of your typical sauces on it um comes comes in a cute little chinese takeout box uh looking thing and uh it's really more of the experience uh than uh yeah they're they're really good um but you know like i said i don't know if people are going to call them wings but they're they would be my favorite and then you two have had the pleasure of going to frisco i don't know if in all the tailgating and jello shot taking you had time to stop and have wings you know really take a step back and enjoy the wings uh if you did where was it in frisco yeah i um stuck with barbecue um you know it's it's texas you got to have that texas barbecue i'm trying to think i go to dallas quite a bit in the frisco area i'm trying to think there are a couple wing spots but i don't know it off the top of my head Lawrence, did you get any wings while you were down there? I don't know, Kyler. Did anyone order wings when we went to Top Golf? Um, they might have. Their Top Golf wings are actually really good. They are not. That my my brother works at Top Golf. They have solid wings, so I I will, I will back the Top Golf uh, answer. And then Kyler, best barbecue in Texas, Franklin's in Austin. Franklin's is really good. Um, there's the Pit House here in Houston. That's amazing. Um. Man, there's just good barbecue everywhere. One of my favorite places for at least burgers, if you guys are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I believe it's um, the Flying Goat or something like that. Um, it's right right pretty close to downtown, but their burgers are amazing. So um, go there if you want some burgers. We're already off the wing. Yeah, my bad. But, uh, TJ's not here. Brian. It's not his wonderful wings. Yeah. It's not here, so we don't have to keep it to just wings. Brian, uh, being a Montana and Eastern fan, uh, I didn't ask you on the Big Sky one, but I'll ask you now. Is there any wings in Cheney or Missoula that you like? Or, heck, you can hit up Coeur d'Alene. Leave Moscow for next week. But So I, I don't know enough about Missoula. I haven't been to a Missoula game. I, I'm sorry, University of Montana game for a while, and we, we just didn't do wings then. I can make a clear recommendation on wings in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Do not pay a penny for wings in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's a resort town. Everything is unbelievably overpriced. Do not pay for wings that are not better than multiple places in Moscow. So if you're getting wings in Coeur d'Alene, you go to Winco and you get the salt and vinegars. Hopefully those salt and vinegar wings have been sitting under the heat lamp for like 12 hours. That's the way to go. That is interesting. Anyways... We're almost done here. We got two more segments. Our favorite uh, segment, I guess, maybe, probably not. Uh, getting iced, or in this case, I guess, getting cold snacked. Um, Lawrence, Kyler, you guys can ask Brian and I any question you want. It can be football related, it can be life related, and we have to answer it. Kyler, what do you got for us? Why aren't you guys at seafair right now what is wrong with you two you're in seattle on one of the best weekends of the summer but no you're talking to lawrence and myself what the heck is going on well to be fair brian is in Coeur d'Alene. all right i am actually surprised i've had no blue angels interruptions and i believe we are scheduling it today because of you am i correct um maybe not available anytime earlier than this (laughs) I think I suggested today. Ah, there you go. It's Lawrence's fault that I'm not at Seafair. <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, I guess, I don't know. Was there anything going on in Coeur d'Alene that you're missing in, in, while being uh, on this podcast? 
art on the green is taking place, but I'm not truly missing it to be on the podcast. It'll still be there a few hours from now. Yeah, the hydroplane races don't even get exciting till one. I got an hour and a half to get down there, Kyler. Lawrence. I'm, I'm on Central Time, so it's already two. I was like, man, you should have already had some, you know, Montuckies, that cold snack. Oh, I got two, you know. two snacks down. Well, you should I, have about five. Cold snacks are the best type of snacks around the land. The, they are the best kinds of snacks. And the snack that gives back. Anyways, Lawrence, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your cold snacked question? Kyler, Matthew, and I have all already purchased uh, airfare to Frisco for the national championship game. And uh, we, we went in together on an Airbnb. And uh, so I want to know, we are officially offering you two both a spot in the Airbnb. Are you ready today to commit to joining us in Frisco? Due to Ryan? family planning, I am ready to not commit today. Enjoy, enjoy being married. So I'm not going to make, commit right now. Uh, I believe I had already committed, so I guess I will reaffirm my commitment. Yes, I, I will be there. Uh, I don't even know what days the Airbnb is officially booked for, but luckily with my brother being in Dallas, I am prepped and I will um, be leaving Sun Valley, Idaho to fly directly to Dallas, Texas. And then whenever the Airbnb is ready, I will be there. Two years in a row. No, Well, I can't say no vandals yet, but we'll cover that next week. And I will still be in Frisco no matter what. So I'm committed. Sounds like a plan. Closing the bar. Uh, as you guys have probably heard by now, if not, you've been living under a rock like Patrick Starr, the famous Idaho vandal. Uh, follow at Big Sky Podcasts on Twitter because Tubbs at the Club is a part of the BSPN. That way you follow all our developments and receive all the content that we'll be releasing throughout the season, including Kyler Neal's uh, Eagles Power Hour, which I'm sure I'll give him a second to talk about here shortly. Um, reminder also, we've been telling you guys to join FCS Fans Nation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter for a while now. But if you needed just that extra reason to do it, do it to join their Pick'em Challenge. Every week they pick, what is it, like six to eight games? Should be eight games. Yeah, eight, eight games that you get to pick. Um, you know, winner loser on, and they keep a running list all throughout the season. The winner last year walked away with like over $200, probably going to be bigger this year. 50% of all the profits go to a charity. So, you know, it's a, it's a good cause. It's fun. It keeps you involved the whole season, even if Idaho is outside of the playoff race. So um, it's a good way to follow the FCS and what's going on. Not to mention we have our own challenge for you guys that if you join, and I can confirm it with Lawrence and Kyler, um, for all Vandal fans that join, we're in track of the ranking Vandals, and the winner will get a tub full of tub tokens to the corner club, and we're not specifying what full means. You're not going to get an actual, like, 300 tub tokens, but you'll get, like, a handful or so of tub tokens to use at the corner club. Um, so make sure you follow them on Facebook and Twitter to be able to get all the FCS Fans Nation news, including to be able to make your Pick'em Challenge and sign up for that um, and get all the instructions on doing that. Uh, with that, I probably missed some stuff. So, Lawrence, how about you explain FCS Fans Nation, the Pick'em Challenge, or anything you think I missed and what you're up to? You pretty much nailed it on the, the yes. Pick'em Challenge. Uh, like you said, $10 to enter, half of the interest fee uh, goes to charity. Uh, we are currently voting in our group on which charity is going to go to. Currently, Helinski's Hope is in uh, in the lead. 
uh, that charity promotes mental wellness in college athletics. Uh, definitely a very good cause. Um, you know, I had something else I was going to say, but uh, it has escaped me, so it right. must not have been important. If it's not Idaho winning the national championship, then we don't care anyways. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I remember what it was going to be. You said uh, you said that the, the winner's pot was probably going to be more than $200, uh, and I can officially confirm that uh, our registrations up to this point have exceeded last year's number. So uh, it will definitely be over $200 Perfect. that the winner walks All on right. with. Kyler, explain what you got going on because you have quite a bit going on. I'm a busy guy, you know. My wife, you know, likes me, so that's good. Happy wife, um, happy wife. But so I am going to be joining the Big, Ki- the Big Sky Podcast Network uh, with Tubbs at the Club, Montana Mint, um, and a couple other ones. So mine is the Eagles Power Hour. You can find me on Twitter. The, the episode is actually fully recorded and ready to get submitted which is good. I've been lying the last, you know, couple months saying it was technical errors. It was just because I didn't like what I was recording. So, so good news is I like it enough to submit it and hopefully, you know, I'll keep getting better as the, the time goes on. Um, so that is, that is one exciting thing. Another thing I'll add is Lawrence, how many people do we have on the Pick'em challenge? Like how many have signed up off the top of your head that I've actually paid? Is it like 50? Is it? Yeah, it's in between 40 and 50 right now. Okay, so I did something like this last year, and I'm going to announce it live on Tubs at the Club since you guys are some of the best fans. Yeah, so last year I said if we got to 250 people or something like that or added another 150, I would match whatever the pot is. Um, I'm not going to match it this year because the fees went up, but if we went up to 250 people who log in and pay, I will donate $500 to the cause. So, um, you know, 250 to charity, 250 to the winner. So we need up to 250. I'll post that on our site too. Um, 250 more. But yeah, there we go. Well, that's reason enough to join right there if you weren't interested in tub tokens. But yeah, make sure you check out the Eagle Power Hour, whatever. It's officially online and FCS Fans Nation, which I'm sure most of our listeners have already done. If they haven't, this is like your last kick in the ass to do it. Yeah, but that was our podcast. Oh, Brian, God, I got to ask what you've got going on. Oh, Kyler, if you need a co-host, I know a guy who likes the Eagles and the Grizzlies too. <laughs> has some tricks for solo podcasts. I will. I will be inviting Brian all the time because, yeah, I mean, Eastern's going to be winning and they're going to, you know, be the number one team in the Big Sky. So he won't be a Montana fan. He'll switch to Eastern this year. If we try to keep him kind of busy though, I don't know if you can have him. But Brian, what do you got going on? Yeah, so a few things. One, still working on getting my next short uh, fiction short story published. But in addition to that, this year uh, for Big Sky related stuff, I uh, want listeners to know one, I'm going to be editing the newsletter from the Montana Mint. And what that's going to be is it's going to be the best one stop shop for, ev- for the week's news throughout the Big Sky. It's going to include links to stuff that the Big Sky Podcast Network creates but also links to entities like Skyline Sports MT, um, also other beat writers if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about the team your team is playing. If, you, if you're interested in that, which you should be if you're listening to this podcast, just go to montana-mint.com and give them your email address. And second, which we, Chris, we've talked a little bit about this. I want listeners to know 
They don't need to necessarily start checking yet, but expect to see a lot more written content on tubsoftheclub.com, you know, as we up our both Big Sky coverage and our Idaho Vandals coverage, because I know you published some stuff last year, but there wasn't a ton of regular writing on tubsoftheclub.com. And I expect, you know, Vandals are going to see a lot more Vandal-centric stuff this year. So if you don't regularly check that yet, uh, you know, keep listening. We'll tell you when to start regularly checking tubsoftheclub.com. That is the truth, and we all, all obviously give fcsfansnation.com all access to take any articles we do. And I have written some stuff on there, too. So if you're just looking for FCS stuff, I guess we did forget to mention fcsfansnation.com also exists with lots of FCS content. So check and, them out. And yes. we will publish your article. Uh, if, if you have an opinion piece that you want to write, uh, we're, we're not super picky um, as long as it's not grossly offensive. Uh, you, you can email any piece of writing you'd like to uh, info at fcsfansnation.com and uh, you can see it on our website. Yeah, so if you have some non-Idaho takes or I guess Idaho takes, but we hope you share them with both of us, let them know that. Anyways, um, for everyone listening, make sure this one is releasing August 8th. Uh, our next one will be the one that I know Wax Party Pants and a couple other people are waiting on, the Idaho preview, with the whole Tubs of the Club staff pending Sean. I'm not going to lie. things are, We're working on it. We're going to try to get Sean on. Um, that will be releasing August 22nd, so stay tuned for that. It's not even noon. It's noon on the dot here on the West Coast. I'm off to Seafair. Thank you, Kyler and Lawrence, for tuning in. Matt Frazy, I wish you were here. Anyways, uh, it's time for the best band, in our opinion, in all the land, The Sound of Idaho. Play us out. Go Vandals.